Hello and welcome to this Your Town Georgina Spotlight episode. Now, in this straight-to-the-point format, our guest, and at least as importantly, their message, is the star of the show. But first off, Ben, how are you? Doing well, Rob. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing great. Actually, I'm I'm really excited for today's spotlight focus, Georgina's own Hiveshare. I mean, without question, many residents are going to be familiar with Hiveshare. Ben, I know that uh, you certainly are. Absolutely, I've definitely uh, purchased some honey from them and some honeybee candles as well at the at the Link Sunday morning farmers market. Awesome. Okay. Well, but you also know that these spotlights are a little biased to those who aren't as familiar with the topic. Um, now, if you fall into the latter category, let me be uh, very clear that we're talking about beehives and ultimately the makers and the caretakers of the hives, the bees themselves. Now, if you're like me, in recent years, whether you've actively researched it or not, you've likely heard more about bees and their importance in the news and on social media. And admittedly, when I was a kid, my relationship to bees was well, like most kids, preferably distant. Sure, we, we knew bees make honey, but uh, my main concern when it came to bees was simply to not get stung. And since I didn't have a great success rate, my general feeling towards bees was, let's call it uh, adversarial. What, what was it like for you, Ben, as a kid? Pretty much the same. I remember I stepped on one as a four-year-old, and that has definitely last, uh, left a lasting impression uh, in my <laughs> mind, to say the least. Okay. I, I don't think you know we're alone, but uh, maybe you'd agree with me that uh, as we uh, entered into adulthood, these, these news stories started to become more prevalent about the importance of bees to, to healthy ecosystems, to, to food supplies, and even economies. And if you dig deeper and you start to uh, discover that there's even a, a spiritual element in fact, a 2019 report from the Intergovernmental Science Policy Platform on Biodiversity and Ecosystem Services, bit of a mouthful, but they pointed out that sacred passages about bees in all of the world's major religions highlight their significance to human societies over millennia. So maybe I was a little bit unfair. Maybe we were a little bit uh, unfair. But, I think that's fair to say. <laughs> but I, I think we can be forgiven. I mean, we often fear what we don't know. And uh, I think that's a great reason to, to learn more, especially since many of these news stories uh, weren't just about the importance of bees, but of the threats to them and the existential consequences of those threats. So let's explore the topic in the context of our community and the environment that supports that community. Here we go. I see myself in the water And my footprints in the sand The moon can push and pull the tide, but this is where I stand. Chris Campbell from Hiveshare, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, okay, before we get to the topic at hand, Chris, we've got some, some good stuff to get to, but do you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and your history with Georgina? I moved here in 1981. Um, had three daughters, uh, commuted to Toronto far too long, <laughs> uh, and, uh, was thrilled when I didn't commute anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, picked up beekeeping about 12 years ago. Um, very passionate about it. And, uh, I love Georgina. 
Oh, that's that's great to hear. That's what this podcast is about. You've got me beat too. We were 84, so you're, uh, uh, I mean, much closer to a lifer, I would say, at 80, uh, at 81. In episode one, my father was on the podcast, and uh, he talked a little bit about that commuter as well. So he was down to um, Steels and the 404, Finch and the 404 every day for about 25 years. So he was he was happy to get that over with too. I got him beat. I was down to Lee side, so <laughs> a little bit further, but uh, been here longer. And- and commuted further. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, okay. Well, uh, let's let's talk a little bit um, about bees. And I, I'm curious, how did you first become interested in bees? You know, I think I've been interested in a long time, but didn't really know it. Um, but the probably the proper answer to that question is, I was at my nephew's wedding out towards London, Ontario, and um, there was uh, at the resort. Um, I think it was Wyndham Resort. I could mm-hmm. have that wrong. Uh, there was some bees on the property, and uh, they swarmed. And uh, the wedding party, we were out taking pictures, and we saw it. Wow! And the I guess the hotel called a local beekeeper, and he came by. Um, and uh, he calmly uh, gathered them up and put them in a box, and he brought a few bees over to us and, and gave us the explanation. And we we could see how gentle they were, and I was just fascinated that someone. I just well, it's badass, you know. That that's the real reason because it's badass. <laughs> well and I thought put. I gotta I gotta get into this. So a few years later, I uh, I took the plunge. That's that's really interesting. I suspect he probably changed a few minds that uh, that day. Probably, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, most of us would walk over and talk to him and, and see the insects, and we weren't, nobody was afraid. Maybe the people that didn't walk over were, but... Um, <laughs> sure. It, that was that was one of the moments that changed me for sure. It's really interesting. I think bees uh, perhaps are unfairly stigmatized, a little bit like sharks. You know, now sharks we can attribute that a lot to Jaws. I mean, that uh, that Steven Spielberg movie had a lot to do with people being uh, perhaps unfairly uh, afraid of uh, of sharks. But bees kind of have that uh, that that reputation as well. I mean, we grew up, and I said this a little bit in my preamble, to kind of steer steer clear of bees. There's something to be afraid of. Uh, in my opinion, there's nothing to be afraid of. They won't sting you for no reason. Um, if you are eating honey, uh, they might want <laughs> inadvertently fly in your mouth, but I highly doubt that either. Uh, no, bees have no interest in humans. Um, they are just going to get nectar and uh, build their hive. Uh, they won't sting you. In fact, when people come out to my beehives for my free tours, I, one of the things I get them to do is to pet the bees with their bare hands. You're kidding. No, no, not at all. Um, 99% of the people do it. Even the people that say, no way, I'm not doing that. They come around and they do it. Uh, I don't insist that you do it. I encourage you to do it because when you walk away, then you are a little bit badass (laughs) and you can do it as well. So, and they tell all their friends, look what I did. I pet some bees. There's a shirt there somewhere, uh, Chris, I think that's, uh, that's great. I, uh, I think we're, we're moving the needle here a little bit, uh, in terms of breaking down those, uh, that those unfair perceptions. So let me, let me pivot just a little bit and, and ask from your perspective, why are bees so important to, to us and to our environment? Well, uh, the biggest reason is probably the pollination. They Mm. pollinate uh, roughly a third of our food. Uh, So that's pretty huge. If we lost the bees, then we would lose um, apples, strawberries, watermelons, squash, et cetera, et cetera. Let alone, and perhaps perhaps more importantly, is the wildflowers and uh, trees that they pollinate. Um, the basswood, the maple trees, the birch trees and beech trees, they also pollinate trees. So that's, that's pretty huge. Uh, we wouldn't want to lose that. 
yeah, it's it's enlightening in that sense and a good reminder about the interconnectedness of um, of, of ecosystems, not only for um, their own survival, but we also know there's uh, an extension to, 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 to even us as human beings. Einstein had a famous quote, and I, I think I remember it correctly, that if the honeybees perish, mankind will have five years to live. I'm not sure it's true, but there's a lot of weight in it. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a big deal, and it, it, it may be seven years. It may be, you know, maybe we can survive. I know at some places in Asia, they pollinate, um, humans pollinate because all the insects are gone through various reasons. And they pollinate by hand and they get young kids to climb up on the trees and climb out to the end of the branches with paintbrushes and pollinate the flowers and they get paid by tree. And of course, if they get too big as they grow older and they break a branch, that gets deducted from their pay. Wow. So it's, yeah, it's pretty crazy. So the honeybees do that for us. Uh, I have heard talk of them getting little tiny drones to do it, but again, the honeybee is the best. Now, I must jump in and say, you know, there's lots of native pollinators. Honeybees are not native to to North America. Mm. So there's hundreds and hundreds of native pollinators that do a very, very good job as, as well. Okay. But the honeybees have gotten the, the spotlight because they make honey and wax and propolis and they make a lot of stuff. Okay, that's really yeah, that's really interesting, and I I think to circle back, I mean, regardless of if the uh, the quote that you referenced is 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 accurate or not, it uh, makes the point that um, I use the um, the term existential threat in in the preamble. I mean, that's that's real, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, as you can say in Asia, that's they're having to do a lot more work to get the same results. Yeah. So then let's let's stay on that that line just for a moment Chris and and what do you see as the primary threats to bee populations and and ultimately the the consequences of those threats Well I think education that's why I love something like this where I can uh, talk to more than two or three people mm-hmm. um my free hive tours that I get people to come out and talk to them but um monoculture is a big problem so if you're in uh, some place uh where there's only one uh crop, like say corn, for 500 acres, you can't put bees out there, they'll die. Mm. Uh, it's like eating apples. We, we all love apples, but you can't subsist on them for very long. You'll get sick and be a, have a problem. Right. Uh, so that's what that happens if, if you put bees out there. So they actually thrive extremely well in cities where there's lots of different flowers uh, and even flowers in the ditch. Uh, the other thing is neonicotinoids, which has been in the news for the past, uh, I don't know, eight, 10 years, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, something that the uh, seed companies coat the seeds with, mm-hmm. and it's systemic, so it gets into the food system and the, and the water. And uh, I've asked uh, several scientists, I said, what, what is the problem with neonicotinoids to us? And she said, we don't know yet. Wow. Which is, that says it all. It's yeah. Like, but I don't blame the farmers. The farmers have to make a living. They have a business. Uh, I have heard through several farmers that they cannot buy crop seeds that aren't coated in neonicotinoids. And wow. if they do, they will be blackballed by the seed companies and they won't be able to buy their seeds anymore. Ah. So essentially their hands are tied and, and they have to make a living. Right. So um, they were banned in Europe. They caused a problem in Europe. Um, and so they banned them for three years, neonicotinoids, mm-hmm. and then no farm could use them. And they noticed that the, the insects came back. And the bees came back and, and all the other insects came back to such a degree that they've now outright banned it. Mm-hmm. In Canada, the last I heard was they banned uh, 80%. So farmers can still use it, but more of a spot use instead of blanketing the whole field. 
Yeah, understood. So it's a, at least a positive message there in the sense that the pendulum can swing back the the other way. And this is, I guess, the um, the reason for the educational aspect of it and why it's so important. Well, you know, it has to. I can I can get up in my soapbox and really rant. But a couple of years ago, um, we had the highest winter die-off of honeybees wow. in recorded history in North America. And nobody knows why. Wow. All the... Um, Scientists and universities have been trying to figure it out. The um, neonicotinoid companies will point at something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that's the only problem. That is one of the problems. Right. Um, so that's the big problem. There's some, some beekeepers I've been talking to that know far more than I uh, suggested that um, uh, bees make um, something called bee bread, which is a mixture of um, pollen and honey. And then when they combine it, it's like one plus one equals three. It's something called bee bread because it ferments. And they were thinking because the pesticides that farmers use, that it doesn't allow those two things to ferment. So the, the young bees and the queen bee, when she's um, a, an egg, uh, doesn't get the nutrition. So then they can't grow up and they're essentially weaker when they're born. Let alone the mites, which is a huge, you've heard of the Varroa mite. It's a giant problem. Um, we, we try to eradicate them every year. It's very, very much a problem. If you don't do anything, there's a bunch of a beekeeper group that says no treatment bees. And right. I wish them all the best, but I can pretty much guarantee within three years their hives will be dead. Wow. Wow. So in terms of the taking that to the, the, the logical next step, which would be the consequences of those, those threats, um, are these things that are real to us in Georgina? In other words, uh, could uh, we experience here um, the, the consequences of these threats to the bee population? Absolutely. Yeah. Ask any farmer. Yeah. that relies on bees to pollinate their crops. Right. Uh, I was talking to one the other day, and they're, they're actually, I'm going to bring my bees to their farm and uh, pollinate because their bees died, and uh, we just we need it. Depending on the crop, you know, some, some crops don't need bees to pollinate them. They get pollinated by wind, like mm. I think corn is wind, so they don't need but pumpkins, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so it's very, very much a big deal. Mm. Um, my friend in France, uh, we, pardon me, this is a different friend in Portugal, we took some bees to a raspberry orchard. Is that the right word? Maybe. Sure. <laughs> um, and uh, the, the farmer let him know that his yield increased threefold since his bees were there. Wow. That's amazing. So it does make a difference. Yeah, even at this level, this is not a distant issue or a distant uh, topic. This is stuff that that affects us even in our community. Exactly. Uh, honey is great, but frankly, we don't need it. Right. I'm shooting myself in the foot, <laughs> but but we don't. Yeah. Uh, we can survive without honey, but it's the pollination that's the big thing. So could I ask you, in your in, from your informed perspective, um, how do you feel about the state of health of bees in our community in Georgina? Um, talking to some other beekeepers, I think we have the same problems that beekeepers around the world have. Okay. Uh, I'm not noticing anything unique about us. Mm. Um, some guys, um, have had very little problems. Some guys and or girls have had huge problems. I know of probably four or five that have lost everything. Wow. Uh, whether they've had two hives or 2000 hives and they've lost them all, all of them. Wow. So they got a bunch of boxes with nothing in it. And how do you start back up? I know some guys in, uh, I think it's Welland County down towards uh, Paris, Ontario. They lost uh, 5,000 hives, lost them all. 5,000 hives. Yeah, that's their business. Wow. And uh, the guy said, you know, I'm done. I'm going to go drive a truck. No kidding. I, I get a steady paycheck and it's easier. 
Okay, well, I think this, this might uh, this next question might kind of link to the message that you just shared, and and that is, I mean, what was the motivation behind creating HiveShare? Honestly, the real motivation in the beginning mm-hmm. was to get more hives. Yeah. Um, then it quickly changed to serving the community and wanting a, a feasible way for people to interact with their food and uh, to produce more and more honey. Yeah. Now, would that, uh, would that you'd say that was kind of the impetus behind um, the creating HiveShare in the first place. Would you say that today those reflect the primary objectives of, of HiveShare? Darn, I have to be honest again. You know what? I think m- what I'm more passionate about now is education yeah. and um, serving the community, um, giving jars to the food bank on a regular basis or the mm. community fridge, um, uh, teaching and uh, going to schools, having people out, uh, just to make them aware. Um, several of my customers and HiveShare um, uh, customers, pardon me, are, have become beekeepers themselves. Really? So I think that's the greatest compliment. Yeah. Um, some make it and have two hives and they're quite happy and they're just tickled to go out all the time. And yeah. some through various reasons give up and, sure. but you got to try, right? It's, it's not necessarily easy, uh, depending, but I, I walk them through it and I mentor them and, and try to make sure that they are a success. This is great. Well, as an educator, I can tell you that the passion definitely comes through and that, uh, that makes it impactful. Um, but I, I do want to maybe focus, and you've mentioned a couple of the services and products, but maybe we could sort of formalize that by asking you what exactly um, does HiveShare um, offer in terms of services and, and products? Uh, well, you can go on the website and see all the products. Um, wildflower honey, um, I do a creamed honey. Uh, I also do specialty honeys like chocolate honey, right. lemon honey, and then I do some infused honeys like habanero and chipotle and smoke, et cetera. Oh, wow. um, so I, there's lots of great, there's not lots, there's a few great beekeepers in Georgina, mm-hmm. and what I try to do is something different to stand out from, from those people. Yeah. Um, I, I would promote that you buy uh, raw honey from a beekeeper, whether it's from me or from them. Mm-hmm. Just make sure it's from a beekeeper. Some of the stuff in grocery stores is honey-flavored corn syrup. Ah, ah, so it's not even real. It tastes like honey, but it has no nutritional benefits. Good to know. Uh, so buy from a beekeeper. And uh, I noticed on your website, I spent some a good time on there. It's a great, great website. Um, that uh, there is the possibility to to buy portions of the hive, and uh, and as a result, um, you benefit from the yield uh, that that particular portion produces. Is that uh, is that accurate? Yep. Yeah, you can buy a quarter, half, or a whole hive, and you get a quarter, half, or all the honey the hive produces. And I have guaranteed minimums. Mm-hmm. And um, if, for example, a bear comes by, which it usually does every year, two or three times. Um, and <laughs> Wait, you know, everyone just pictured Winnie the Pooh going into, I just want to say that right now, at so least I did. a misnomer, Winnie the Pooh loves the honey, but bears in real life like the babies. Uh, we call, call them brood. Yeah. And they eat the babies for the protein. The honey just gets on their fur and they lick it off. I They're see. not going for the honey. But okay. they absolutely destroy the hive and take it maybe up to a kilometer away through the woods. Really? And we have to go find it. Oh, All geez. the pieces. Wow. Just destroy it. Good to know. Uh, so electric fence is, is helpful. I think that uh, it, it kind of, uh, again, re- resetting people's expectations and, and awareness. I mean, it goes from the uh, the fun, cute uh, image of Winnie the Pooh with his uh, paw inside the, the honey jar to, no, these these things actually come in, they take the fi- uh, hive and they drag it a kilometer away and we have to go find it. So, I mean, it's uh, that's that's reality. Probably because they're getting stung. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only way you can sting on a bear is their lips or their nose. 
Oh. Everything else is so covered in dense fur. Right. Uh, that's why the uh, if you come to my apiary, you'll see the uh, electric fence is very low. Mm -hmm. And I've had the question, why is it so low? Well, I have to get the bear's nose or lips. I, that has to touch the fence for they can get a shock and run away. Okay. Yeah. Uh, other than that, they walk right through it, like physically walk right through it like it's not even there. Wow. Wow. And I've come to the apiary where the, the electric fence is all torn apart, and I know what's happening. <laughs> yeah. That being said, if the bear finds it, you know the next day, 100%, they'll be back. Mm, so okay. there's other little tricks that we use that we don't harm the bear. There's just other little tricks, like putting um, pine saw-soaked cloths around. They don't like the smell of pine saw. So if they smell that, they'll go. <laughs> so These are the tricks of the trade. Several, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'd rather not sit there with a shotgun. I'd rather do something a little bit, you know, I don't mind the bear being around, but just yeah. stay away from this. Hey, I can appreciate that. Well, okay, now clearly helping bee populations and, and, and raising awareness about uh, the dangers they face is at, at, at the center of your efforts. But can I ask, I mean, what can the average citizen do in their daily lives to, to support bee populations in our community from your perspective? I would support your local beekeeper. Mm -hmm. I would uh, plant flowers, open face flowers like daisies are the best so the bees mm -hmm. can get in them. Um, not the flowers that are the bees cannot get inside, mm -hmm. so physically get inside. That would, those, those two would be the best things, to plant some gardens. Or if you like borage or clover or um, bee balm, you can plant some of those around your house. Mm -hmm. um, and don't spray in the springtime and don't cut your lawn until June. I was going to ask about that. The, uh, the no mow may. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a real thing and it, yep. it makes a difference. Huge. Cause the bees coming out of uh, winter are looking for food and they mm -hmm. really need it. And if the population is growing, they need it badly. And one of the first foods is dandelions mm. and it's a very high source of nectar. Okay. So we don't want to mow them down just because we don't like the look of them. All right. I'm going to keep this top of mind. And, uh, you know, my, my property is actually uh, replete with, uh, with dandelions around that time. So I'm going to keep that top of mind this spring, Chris. I might make little signs for my good customers and just plant them. <laughs> That'd be good. Uh, great idea. Now, uh, for those that are, are, are interested in maybe trying some of the end product, uh, where can they go to do that? How can they, uh, how can they taste your honey? You can go onto my website, mm -hmm. uh, hiveshare.ca, and order from there. I deliver for free in awesome. Georgina, Beaverton, Mount Albert, Newmarket. Um, I ship internationally. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you can go to Sobeys in Sutton, Five Corners in Keswick. Great. And uh, if, you have a, if you're further away and you'd like a store to stock it, just uh, tell the manager about me, and I'd be happy to talk to them and get into the store. That's, that's great to know. And you mentioned if, uh, if listeners want to, to learn more about Hiveshare, the website is a great place to, to start, obviously. I know you have an Instagram uh, page uh, as well. I'm a, I'm a follower. Uh, is there, are there any other resources that uh, you want to, uh, to mention where uh, people can find you? Uh, Facebook would be the one we okay. haven't talked about. Great. Um, I think that's it. That's yeah. it. I'm, I, I give classes at the Georgina libraries occasionally. There's one coming up on uh, beeswax wraps. Nice. Um, I give talks at schools. Uh, and again, from May to September, mm -hmm. I give free tours in the apiary. Any day it's not raining. Great to know. All right. Well, that's a, a lot of great information in a, in a very uh, short amount of time. Uh, I think we're all richer for it. Uh, Chris uh, Campbell from Hiveshare, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the Yorktown Georgina podcast. Thanks, Rob. I appreciate it. All right. So, so Ben, what did you think of that? 
That was really fascinating. I really learned a lot about uh, about bees and just their impact in our world. Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned it uh, during the interview, but his, his passion comes through, doesn't it? He's, he really does. He's a pretty good educator. Um, I thought, in particular, uh, some of the threats that he he listed were, were kind of interest, uh, kind of interesting. In fact, um, offline uh, after the interview, I had asked him um, a little bit more about that, and uh, he pointed out that there's a number of things that are part of our daily lives that we kind of um, maybe uh, take for granted in the sense that uh, we maybe don't need them, but they do have a, a, an adverse effect on the health of the bee population. And one of the examples he used was almonds. Are you an almond fan, uh, Ben? I, I like almonds. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I like almonds too. But he, he made the point that um, in uh, almond production, they actually truck bees all around uh, North America uh, to these orchards in California in order to pollinate uh, the, the almonds. And they said that hundreds of thousands of, of bees uh, die in that uh, in that process. So it raises the question if bees are so important to us, I mean, um, for so many reasons, including existentially, um, then maybe we start to question some of those things, um, uh, those parts for our daily lives that maybe aren't absolute necessities. That's true. Uh, I'll admit, though, I don't want to. I don't want to go digging too deep. I don't want big almond coming after us. <laughs> well, who wants big almond coming after you? That's well, well said. Now, I wanted to bring up uh, one item uh, to tie back uh, to something that Chris uh, mentioned, which was that bees actually can do really well in urban centers. And you actually brought up a good point that uh, even in downtown Toronto, on certain um, building tops, you'll actually find beehives. Yeah, I believe Royal York has some, and That's like, amazing. Likewise, in Victoria, the Empress Hotel. Yeah. Right on the water, they have their own beehives that they use the honey for their high tea and such. And it's it's great marketing, but it's also, you know, socially relevant. Yeah, you assume that, uh, I assume anyway, that it's just uh, a bunch of air conditioning units and other things up, up top, but they're actually using that space for something. Absolutely. It's buzzing up there. <laughs> You're firing in all cylinders today, Ben. Well, well done. But I thought it was interesting that you brought that up because Chris actually mentioned in some of our, our conversations offline that he was inquiring with some local businesses to see if uh, they might be interested um, in uh, having a hive on top of their building. So if you're a local uh, business owner, you have an accessible rooftop, maybe you should reach out to uh, to Chris. Now, uh, can I ask you, do you ever see a, a beehive in the future of maybe the uh, the Badenoch uh, homestead, uh, your farm? Absolutely. it's uh, They've been there in the past, and I think they will return. Yeah. Uh, sooner than later, probably. <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, Ben, thank you very much for those uh, final insights. And uh, thank you for uh, tuning in and uh, listening uh, to Your Town, uh, Georgina. We'll see you next time. Over to you, Bernadette. I'm a sister, I'm a daughter I'm a lady of the lake I learned to drive on a dirt road And I got all it takes I see myself in the water my footprints in the sand The moon can push and pull the tide But this is where I stand Georgina I could never really leave ya I've been all around the world And still you bring me back again
power in everything I tried it out for a little while But where you don't have roots You can't crawl wings Georgina I can never myself in the water Georgie